people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jennifer and Abigail, uh, for that beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you, Ensemble, uh, for that beautiful song. What a wonderful morning uh, of worship. Take your Bible, if you would, today and turn uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to preach a message entitled, Are You Ready? Are you ready? As you know, on Sunday mornings this summer, we have been looking at this epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy, who would pastor the church of Ephesus, a very large, influential church in that area. And as I said many times, uh, he was writing this letter of instruction and writing this letter of encouragement. And as we read this letter... It truly instructs us, and as we read this letter, it truly encourages us. Um, As we approach chapter 4, we're getting into the last words that Timothy would hear from the apostle. These are the last words that Paul would write. And you know, last words uh, can be very, very important when when you hear them. I'm reminded of... Um, Augustus Caesar, when he said this, this was the last words that he said, he said, I found Rome of clay and I leave it to you of marble. The actress Joan Crawford, as she was dying, her housekeeper began to pray out loud. And Joan Crawford looked at her housekeeper and said this, Don't you dare ask God to help me. Those were her final words. Can you imagine? Don't you dare ask God to help me. D.L. Moody, his last words were these. I see the world receding and heaven opening. What a beautiful statement. I see the world receding and heaven opening. The Mexican general, Pancho Villa, he said this. As he realized he was about to die, he called a friend over. And he said this, it can't end like this. Tell them I said something. That's what he said. Tell them I said something. Steve Gaines said that Adrian Rogers, his last words were these. I am at perfect peace. Good last words. I'm at perfect peace. Well, when we arrive at chapter 4, we begin to hear the last words of the Apostle Paul. And so I want to encourage you to take your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and in honor and reverence to the Word of God, let's stand together if you're willing and able this morning. And I want to read verses 1 through 5. This will be our text this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort 
with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bow before you and we thank you so much that we can be right here, right now. Father, we thank you for your word. It is alive, it's powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray today that you would help us to see truth. Lord God, would you give me clarity of thought? Father, would you speak through me this morning? Oh, Father, forgive me for my sins. Lord, today, uh, this church, this family, they do not need to hear what a man of 54 years of age has to say. They need to hear what a timeless God has to say. And so would you speak, oh God, through your word. Lord Jesus, we'll be very careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are two things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. First of all, I want us to notice together the challenge. The challenge. And really, verse 1 sets up this challenge. Notice what Paul says in verse 1. He says, I charge you. I charge you. That word charge means I appeal to you. I implore you. He's saying, I urge you. He's asking Timothy, he's saying, would you give me your undivided attention? There's a legal nuance here. And when you look at that phrase, I charge you, it's as if God, through Paul, is bringing Timothy into a holy courtroom and he's bringing him to the bench and he's saying, I am putting you under oath. I charge you, therefore, and notice this next phrase here, I charge you, therefore, before God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, can I tell you something? Those are awesome words. And those are words of awe. Those are words of majesty. And when you look at what Paul is saying, they are very serious words, and in many ways they're very solemn words. It's not in your notes, but if you remember in Psalm 34, verse 15, it says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is this, listen, I'm putting before you a charge, and this is before God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm placing this charge, this solemn charge on you in the presence of God the Father and in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's something for Timothy to hear and it's something for you to hear and for me to hear. 
This is a serious thing. Notice what the Bible says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. It's at that point that we can really understand the seriousness of this phrase. It's at that point that we begin to realize that Jesus is going to be the judge of the living and the dead. He's going to judge everyone. I just want this to sink into my heart and to your heart. Every one of us in this building, everyone that's driving by Memorial Drive right now or down Dayton Boulevard or wherever they are, everyone will stand before Jesus. Everyone will. Everyone will stand before Jesus Christ. Now there are several judgments in the Bible. I want to mention two main judgments. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian, at some point in your life you gave your heart to Christ, you love Jesus, you are a believer, one day you're going to stand before what the Bible calls the judgment seat, the Bema seat. Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 10. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now let me tell you something. Aren't you glad this morning that if you are a believer that you will not face your sins at the Bema seat. Because those sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, and again, not in your notes, but in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so one day, when you, as a believer, you're standing at the Bema seat, it has nothing to do with your sin, because Jesus became sin for you, and He became sin for me. But it has everything to do with what you did with what God gave you. Everything to do with, with the influence that you have and how you use that, how you use the things that God gave you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there will be a reward or a loss of reward. So Paul is reminding Timothy and he is reminding you and he is reminding me that one day we will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as believers at the judgment seat. But those who are lost in this building, driving down Memorial, down Dayton Boulevard, wherever they may be, those who have never asked Jesus to be their Savior, one day will stand before Him at the great white throne judgment. Judgment is mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. Beginning in verse 11, Revelation 20 and verse 11. Listen and just allow these words to marinate in your heart this morning. The Bible says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth 
and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone, church, listen, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's why these are solemn words. That's why they're serious words. And, and back to our text, Paul is saying, listen, he's saying this is very serious. You need to hear what, what I have to say because you're standing I'm pulling you in front of the one who will judge the living and the dead. And then it says this, at his appearing. At his appearing, that is where we get the word epiphany, a sudden revelation. At his appearing, let me just give you some good news. Listen, are you ready for some good news? Say amen. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. Jesus is coming back 318 times. It's mentioned in the New Testament 318 times that Jesus is coming again. So I just want to say it because I like to say it. Jesus is coming again. Are you... Hey, listen, if we're going to clap, let's not mess around. Amen? Amen. Let's clap. Jesus is coming again. So the question is, are you ready? Am I ready? How many of you remember that game that we used to play many years ago? Um, hide and seek. Do you remember that game? I, loved, I used to love, I used to love to play that game. And you know how it starts. You know how it starts. Uh, someone who is it, you go and you find a place and you have to count to ten. You know, one, two, and and, and But if you're really, if, if you do it in the neighborhood, you got to count to 50. How many of you remember counting to 50? How many of you honestly started counting by fives when they got out of earshot? Do you remember that? <laughs> and at the very end of it, at the very end of it, you say these words, ready or not, what? Here I come. Friends, one of these days, ready or not, here He comes. Here He comes. And what, what Paul is doing, he's setting up young Timothy, and in many ways he's setting you up, and he's setting me up for this incredible challenge. And we meet that challenge in verse 2, where he says this, Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. That means this. It means announce the Word. The word preach means to bring good news. It means to be a herald. That's what it means. It means to proclaim 
Listen, to proclaim good news. The word picture is of a king or an emperor that sends a herald or a messenger or a spokesman into a village or into a town. And that herald can only say what the king or emperor wants him to say. Nothing more or nothing less. He's not to share his opinion. He's not to share his thoughts. He's not to water down the message. He's not to tamper with the message. He's not to shrink from the message. He is to give exactly what the king wants him to give. And that's what I am to do when I stand in this pulpit. I am to preach the Word. I am to herald the Word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, the latter parts of that we're going to see, but I want you to see the beginning parts. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. That's what Paul said. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And can I just say this? This morning, if there is such an emphasis on preaching the Word, and there is, if there is such an emphasis on preaching the Word, shouldn't hearing the Word be a top priority? If there's an emphasis on me and on our other pastors here at White Oak, and around this city to preach the Word. There should be a top priority to hear the Word. Because I'm going to tell you, that bench right there cannot make a decision. You see that bench? And it's not any fun preaching to that bench, I guarantee you that. So we need to preach the Word. You know, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. We talked about that last week when we uh, preached about the book. It's not always easy. And that's why there are some that stand in a pulpit that, that they pull punches. It's like this. This is what it's like. They, it's almost like their name, their pastor's name, their name as a pastor, is on the front sign out there in chalk. And the chairman of deacons is throwing up an eraser in here as he's preaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are, listen to me, don't miss this. There are a lot of preachers that are afraid and they tiptoe through the tithers. And it's like, as I said, their name is in chalk and several people in the building, they just got an eraser and they just... Throwing it up just to remind that preacher, you better not say that, or you better not say this, or I'm going to erase that name. Hey, listen, God has called us to preach the Word. Amen? To preach the Word. And back to our text, he says, listen, preach the Word. And then he uses this, be ready. And I believe that's where he pulls all of us in. Be ready. Because it's not just me. Every one of us are to share the gospel. That word be ready, it means to be alert. It means to be at your post. 
It means this. That word, be ready, those two words mean embrace every opportunity. To be zealous. You see, I've just got you for uh, 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and and, and, and then on a Wednesday night, and, and we have preaching here on Sunday night. And it's just those that are in here that can hear this message. But where the rubber meets the road is what we do outside of this building. And I'm to be sharing the Word in my neighborhood and wherever I am, and so are you. You are to be ready. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Now look at your other neighbor and say, be ready. Look at your neighbor, smile, say, be ready. We are to be ready. We are to be ready as the pastor, but also as people, as the flock. We're to be ready. He goes on and he says it like this. Be ready in season and what? And out of season. In other words, be ready when it's convenient. Be ready when it's easy. Be ready when it's favorable. Be ready when it's popular. But also, be ready when it's not convenient. Be ready when it's not easy. Be ready when it's not favorable. When it's not popular, in season and out of season. It is Vance Havner that said, sharing the good news never goes out of season. So why are we hesitant? I'm going to tell you why we're hesitant. Because there are a lot of people that reject the good news. There are a lot of people that just reject the good news. A couple of weeks ago, we had the honor to keep Avery Kate Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and we brought her here Sunday. I guess it was last week, maybe. And um, we, had a, we had the time of our lives, as I told you last Sunday. We had the time of our life with our granddaughter. But she was in her car seat, and I was driving, and we were heading somewhere. And Avery, and maybe your daughter or granddaughter or son does this as well, within the first two minutes that you take off, she takes her sandals or shoes off every time. And so Leslie was back there with her, and Leslie just tickled her foot. And Avery Kate looked at Lolly and went, No, Yayi. No, Yayi. No, 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 Yayi. I said, son. And she was just, she was grinning while she did it. She was enjoying saying no. And she just kept saying it. She was enjoying it so much, she just kept saying it. No, Yayi. Well, they've taught her a song at daycare. And it's, we will, we will rock you. I don't know why they taught her that song at daycare, but they did. And so to get her off of no, in the front seat I was singing, We will, we will rock you. And when I said that, she went, Walk you, pop. 
He's the cutest thing in the whole wide world. So I sung it again, and she said, walk you, pop. And then she looked, walk you, wawi. She said that for a little bit, and so I thought, okay, we're through with no. And a couple of seconds later, no, yayi. She was right back to no again. Hey, listen, the reason that, that we, the reason Paul says to Timothy, you got to be ready. you got to be ready in season and out of season. It's because, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes when I'm up here preaching, you got a yes face. I'm preaching about heaven and you're like, yeah, it's good, yeah. <laughs> yes, preacher, preach, yes, preacher. Then sometimes when I'm preaching on things that hit you right between the running lights, you don't say it, but you look at me, no! No, preacher, no, no, preacher. I find myself doing the same thing when I'm listening to a message. That's why here, listen, that's why here he's giving us this challenge to preach the Word, to announce the Word, to herald the Word, to proclaim the Word and be ready in season and out of season. And then he just continues and he says, convince. Convince, that means to bring things to light. Convince means to point out error. That's what it means. To point out error. It's a legal term. And and what he's saying is convince them, persuade men and women with the Word of God, persuade them to make a U-turn and change their ways. It goes right with the next word there, to rebuke, which means uh, to correct. So he's saying to convince with the Word of God from the pulpit and in the neighborhoods and wherever you are, to rebuke. But I love that next word. It says to exhort. To exhort. That word means, the prefix is para, which means to come alongside of. The paraclete is the Holy Spirit, and He comes alongside of us, yea, inside of us. A parachute, if you jump out of a plane, it comes alongside of you and helps you to make it to the ground. Paragraph, sentences come alongside of one another to complete a thought. This is para, and and that's the prefix. It means to come alongside of. It means with the word to comfort, to encourage. And that's what we ought to do. We ought to, as we're sharing the good news, hey, listen, it's good news, amen? This is good news. And as we're sharing the good news, it ought to be encouraging. He says, do it with long-suffering and teaching. This is the way that you're to do it and I'm to do it. With long-suffering, in other words, with patience. And, And with instruction or teaching. Why? Because discipleship takes time. Growth and maturity in the Word takes time. And so as preachers and as Sunday school teachers, we are to share the Word and as laity, share the Word and don't don't get ticked easily when it takes a little while for folks to get it. Because we are to do it with long-suffering and with teaching. And then we go from the challenge to the concern. The concern, and, 
And we see that beginning in verse 3. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3. For the time will come, he said. Here's the concern. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There's coming a time, and I believe we've hit that time, when they will not endure, they will not bear with healthy doctrine. They will not tolerate it. They will not put up with sound doctrine. So what do they do? They avoid it. What do they do? They hear the truth and, and they say, that does not apply to me. They hear the truth and they pick and choose what they're going to believe, sort of cafeteria style. He said, there's coming a time, an era, a season, when they will not bear with or put up with healthy, sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears. It's an interesting phrase there, isn't it? Itching, itching ears. When I think of that and when I look at that, I believe what Paul is saying is this. People love uh, shiny things. They love mysterious things, sensational things. They would rather, now listen very carefully what I'm about to say, that people are intrigued when someone on television gets up and says, I have some miracle spring water from the River Jordan. Did you hear what I just said? I've got some miracle spring water from the River Jordan. And if you'll just send in a seed offering. Ah, oh, okay. There you go. And then you find out they bought it at Costco. <laughs> they bought it at Costco. The people are sitting in those auditoriums and before a television. <gasps> miracle spring water. Listen, shiny things. They've got itching ears. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if I stood up here and said, shh, listen, next Sunday, I'm going to tell you something that you have never heard before. It's going to rock your world. I mean, you've never heard anybody ever say this. Shh, shh. It's, it's, this place, well, you're grounded in the Word, so maybe you wouldn't tell anybody. The deacons would have a meeting with me and say, what in the world are you talking about? Listen, there are people in these last days who have itching ears, and so what do they do? They heap up for themselves Teachers, they accumulate teachers. The Christian Standard Bible says they multiply teachers. They pile them up like charcoal. So they run to these feel-good messages. And let me tell you, if you sit very long in, in a church and they don't talk about sin, you need to find another church. 
here he says they, they heap them up. They run to them. That's the concern that, that's on his heart. The Bible says in verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. They'll be turned aside to fables. That word means myths or tales. And then in verse 5, he says, But you. But you. Timothy, I want you to be different. I want you to follow as you have what I've said. How many of you remember Bunny? He goes by one name, Bunny. Do you remember Bunny? He's preached here before. He's my friend in Jamaica. He's yay tall. Bunny, we meet him at the hospital on the island, and he's our bodyguard. He's a great bodyguard. But we meet him there, and he he meets our bus, and he's going to walk us usually first to the baby ward. And so he meets our bus, And we give a little instruction and then we pray. And usually, usually he says this. Brother T, follow back of me. First time he said it, I said, do what? (laughs) He said, Brother T, follow back of me. And what that means is follow behind me. Follow my back. Follow me. Now let me just go ahead and tell you, you can see him everywhere and so it's easy to follow back of him. It's easy to follow him. Paul is saying, but you, listen, Timothy, listen to what I'm saying. Follow back of me. Follow me. But you, be watchful. That word there means be alert, be collected, be sober. It means be unruffled. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Stay with the stuff. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Share the good news. And I love this. And fulfill your ministry. Listen. We are to finish strong. We are to finish strong. Fulfill your ministry. Are you ready? Jesus is coming again. He is. Are you ready? What will your last words, if you had an opportunity, what will your last words be? Tell them I said something? Or would your last words be words that would leave a legacy to your children and grandchildren? Are you ready? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. You're here today and maybe you say, Pastor, I, I cannot remember a time in my life. I cannot remember a time in my life when I... Uh, Ask Jesus to be my Savior. Brother Brother Tony, pray for me. Pray for me. 
You talked about those judgments, Pastor. The Bema seat and the great, great white throne. I don't want to stand before the great white throne. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Tony, I, preacher, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. Would you not call me by name, but would you pray for me? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you lift up your hand right there where you are? Just lift it up very quickly and put it down. Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Lift it up very quickly and put it down. Anybody in the church? I see that hand. Are there others? I'm just not sure. To be honest, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. If you're here and you're unsure, there are those in this building and they're just unsure. I'm going to ask if Laz would be on my left up at the front and Pastor Beck, if you'd be on my right, just right up here at the front. If you're here today and you're not sure of your salvation, why don't you come to one of these pastors? Just come to one of them and say, I'm not sure and I want to be sure. I want to nail it down. I want to ask Christ to be my Savior today. I've heard the gospel. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe today you just need to come and get on bended knee. Maybe you've been in the secret service for Jesus. Today you've realized that Paul's last words, he's saying, listen, announce the word, share the gospel. Maybe you want to come and get on bended knee and just say, God, help me to share the word. If you're interested in placing your life here, White Oak Baptist Church, you're interested in joining this church and being a part, why don't you come? Very quietly, very reverently, would you stand? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just stand. And I'm going to pray. Right after I pray, you come. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bow before you. And God, I just ask you right now to be with those that today may need to be the day, Lord, that they come. And receive you as Savior. Father, I pray that you would continue to move in this church service. And in this church house, Lord. Just move in our hearts. Help us to use this altar, God. Bring to this church family those that you would have come. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together and as we sing, would you come?